from time to time, from time to time, uh, Jenny will ask me, are you mad? Are you mad? Are you upset? Now, there are a couple of reasons for this. One, I have an angry resting face. So when, when my wheels are turning in my brain and st it's stuff's going on up here, I have a, mm, I just, I look mad. There are other terms for this, but it's church. And so, uh, so that's a thing. She'll ask me, are you mad? Are you angry? No, I, it just means there's activity going on upstairs and that's a good sign. Um, <laughs> Sometimes, the second reason though, uh, is that I am actually mad, I'm feeling it, but I'm not aware of my madness. Because uh, I'm a man, I have, <laughs> I'm just being honest, because I'm a man, sometimes there's a disconnect between what I'm feeling and what I'm experiencing. And so uh, I'll actually be mad, Jenny will rightly perceive it, she'll ask me if I'm mad, and the truth is I'm mad, I'm just not aware of who I'm mad at yet, or when I'm mad at. And then a few days later, I'll figure it out, and I'll be like, oh, yeah, I'm really mad at... Okay, so, so that's one set of issues that I have. Another, I also happen to suffer from what I call um, misdirected anger, okay? So uh, I call these misfires, all right? <clears throat> a few years ago, the, the, the Chamber of Commerce asked me to pray for this big event. And important people were coming, et cetera, et cetera. Well, the morning of, I get a call from the lady in the office, and she says, um, would it be okay if basically we uninvited you to pray? Because there's this decorated war veteran as a chaplain, and he would like to pray, and it would just fit better. And of course, you know, I was like, sure, no problem. Well, they stepped on my toes and hurt my feelings. You mean I'm not as good as a decorated veteran? Probably not, but, you know, <laughs> I was feeling slighted. So the next morning... When I was getting the girls ready for school, why am I always having to fix your lunch? You know, I was barky barky. Was I mad at Jillian? Was I mad at Madeline? No, I was mad at the Chamber of Commerce, but they were getting it. Hurricane force, you know, hurricane force winds. I'm not the only one who does these things, okay? When Jenny and I taught third and fifth grade, third through fifth grade Sunday school, um, we had a kid, uh, Dennis Jr. Dennis Jr. would get mad, and he would yell at the other kids in the class, and sometimes he would get up out of his seat, and I'm not making this up, he'd hit the walls. Like, we'd be like, Dennis, sit down. You know, those walls haven't done anything to you, buddy. You know, and now, at home, Dennis Sr. was beating on Dennis Jr. and beating on his mom. So Dennis, you know, was Dennis mad at Sunday school? No. <laughs> he was mad at dad, but... Sunday school and the walls of church were getting all the anger and fury that Dennis had. This happens all the time, by the way, at our early learning village. I don't, I don't know if you know this, but we have a school in Jessamine County that has nothing but three, four, and five-year-olds. And we call it the Jessamine Early Learning Village. My wife teaches there now. And so it's great because you'll have you'll have four-year-olds that will drop the F-bomb and all kinds of stuff in class, and you're like, whoa, there's a lot of fury in there, and it's misdirected anger. Like, you'll have little Caroline, and little Caroline starts hitting on the other kids and biting the other kids, and, and teacher's got to call a parent-teacher conference and is calling the kid who got bit and then has to call Caroline's mom and dad. And really, here's the issue. Caroline's mommy and daddy just had another baby, and it was the great little baby brother they were expecting. Only now, mommy and daddy give all their attention and focus to the 
baby and not Caroline, and Caroline's figured out, I'm going to get attention one way or the other. Now, is Caroline mad at her teacher? Is Caroline mad at the school? No, it's misdirected anger. Nowhere is this more evident. <laughs> Nowhere is this more evident than at the Fayette Mall at Christmas time or, or on US 27 in the morning or afternoon on a weekday. You experience all kinds of hand signals from people. Some of them are with the window down and fully extended. Sometimes it's passive and they just have their hand up by their cheek, but it's there. There's, there's the, what I call the honks of affirmation. Love you. Way to go. Beep. <laughs> the, the honks of affirmation. There's, there's a lot of misdirected anger on US 27, okay? We can be mad. We can be mad and not really know why. We can be mad and take it out on all the wrong people. So what I'm going to talk about is, today is really, really important, okay? And here's the bottom line, in case you miss it or in case I mess up. Anger, anger, gang, is a flag that you're feeling something. You should figure it out for your sake and the sake of those around you. Let me say this again. Anger is a flag. You're feeling something. You should figure it out for your sake and the sake of those around you. Uh, before I get into the scripture passage for today, um, I want to I highlight four types of anger. Now, do not nudge the person next to you. Do not give them the look that says, I am so glad you were in church today. Listen, listen to the man of God as he speaks, okay? Just avert, eye. look at me, okay? I'm the safe person today, okay? So the first type of anger are, is what I call machine gun. Machine gun are the verbal people, and they're going to let you have it. They're going to let you have it. They will mow you down with their words. They'll cut, they'll yell, they'll throw things. Machine gun people are the exploders. I grew up in the days of Bobby Knight basketball in Indiana in the 1970s and 80s. Bobby Knight was famous for his anger. He would throw chairs in basketball games. If you were one of his players and you performed badly, he wouldn't let you ride the team bus back to Bloomington. Like, you would have to figure out a way to get home. He was that mad, okay? I mean, imagine Calipari trying to, you know, imagine trying to do that today. It would make the news, like ESPN Sports Center would be like, you know, okay? But he did that. He was just a hothead, okay? Uh, the biblical example for this is Cain. Right? We read in Genesis 4, uh, verse 5, Cain was furious and attacked his brother. Now, the thing about machine gun anger people is that when it's all said and done, when the anger's fully vented, they will often feel really bad about the carnage that lays everywhere uh, because of the venting of their anger. There's a second type, the mute anger. They clam up, they go silent, they hold it in. They live in denial. Are you mad? No, I'm not. Are you sure you're not upset? Oh, I'm fine. It's fine. We're food. It's good. It's really good. <laughs> Mute people are, are kind of like a crock pot. I like to think of it as a slow burn, okay? Um, and ironically, uh, 
the, the mute people, they will be going to their doctor because they've got stomach problems, ulcers, heart problems, high blood pressure, uh, because they internalize it. Did you know that your body is not designed to hold in all that anger? Like it makes you physically sick. Jeremiah is the, is the perfect mute anger person in the Bible. You read about in Jeremiah 15, he's all by himself and he's like, why me, Lord? You know, wah. Okay, but he's holding it in. He's not going to let. So uh, there's another group, another type. <laughs> the, <laughs> these are the martyr anger people. The martyr anger people are the people that it's, they have a pity party. They're always passive. They always, oh, it's my fault. What did I do wrong? Okay, it's all my fault. I must have, I should have, I shouldn't have. If you're always shooting yourself, shooting, shooting yourself, that, that may be an indicator that you're a martyr. Um, and the biblical example for this is the story of the prodigal son. The older brother is the martyr anger person. This whole time, dad... I was faithful. I never did anything wrong. Did I get a fattened cab? No. He has to be coaxed to join the party. Here's the thing about martyr anger people. Everyone around them is miserable. <laughs> Some of you are like, preach. <laughs> okay. Everyone around them. The last type are the manipulator anger people. They don't, they don't deal direct. They're not going to tell you or fess up that they're angry. They're subtle. Uh, they're going to use indirect cuts and jabs, uh, what I like to call compusults. They're great at compusults. Uh, they'll say something, and then they'll be like, man, can't you take a joke? What's your problem? When really everything they just said was, you know, not just barbed wire, but knives and guns and the whole nine yard, and they went, ha, 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 you know, <laughs> right? Okay? The biblical example of this group, the Pharisees are the manipulator, right? They're jealous and mad at Jesus, and so they plot on how to get rid of them. Uh, manipulator types, okay? Again, <clears throat> angry people cause problems. Angry people cause problems, and angry people who don't know who they're angry with and who misdirect their anger can cause problems, which is why the Bible has a lot to say about anger. If you brought a paper Bible, we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 4 in just three verses today. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 25 through 27. This section of Paul's letter describes in practical terms what it means to walk out the Christian life, how, what it means to be a Christian, and what it looks like. And we're commanded in this section to put off the old self, put off the old ways, and no longer act like children. And we're encouraged to be spiritually renewed in such a way that our thoughts and attitudes and actions reflect Jesus, right? So that's what this section of Ephesians chapter 4 is talking about. So let's get right into it, chapter 4, verse 25. So, Paul says, stop telling lies. Let us tell our neighbors the truth, for we are all parts of the same body. Now, the main imperative here is truth-telling. Speak the truth with your neighbor. It's a quotation from Zechariah um, 8, verse uh, 16. We're told, tell the truth to each other. Did you know that truth is a necessary ingredient for relationships? It is. Truth is a necessary ingredient for right relationships because lies distort reality and become accomplices to all kinds of evil and wrong in the relationship. Did you know, ironically, that a free society like ours needs truth 
if we don't have truth, you can't have a free society. Just that's an aside, poly sci comment there, okay? But truth is needed in relationships because truth builds trust, and you need trust in relationships, all right? Why, Paul says, we belong to each other in the body of Christ. We belong to each other. Be truthful. And then we get to the meat of the passage, verses 26 and 27. He says this, Don't sin by letting anger control you, and don't let the sun go down while you're still angry, for anger gives a foothold to the devil. Now, anger isn't like the, other, isn't like the vices that are listed in this section. It's a proper and essential emotion. Okay? Yes, it can be volatile. Yes, it can be dangerous. But being angry isn't intrinsically wrong. Hear me. Being angry isn't intrinsically wrong. Some of us grew up in faith traditions where we were told, if you're angry, you're sinning. Did you know that all throughout the Bible we read about God getting angry? Did you know that Jesus got angry? Getting angry shows that you care. Trust me, when Jenny steps on my toes, when Jenny's getting in my business, when Je- you know, because my love for her is a 10 out of 10, right? Woo! We go to DEFCON 1 real quick. My passions come out because I've got skin in the game. I care. I'm committed. Uh, what you don't want is apathy. Um, and so anger in its right course, in its right uh, perspective, is, is actually proper and appropriate. John Stott says of this passage that he wishes Christians would actually get more angry about the things that God cares about. <laughs> he says he would like to see less apathy and more righteous anger about the things that God gets angry about. So uh, one, one particular translation of this says, be angry and do not sin. In other words, you're going to find yourself being angry. It's going to happen. So when you're at that point, don't let it get into sin. Don't sin with it. And so how do we do that? That's the second part. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. In other words, don't let anger endure. Don't let it fester unresolved in you. Unresolved, festering anger is problematic. Now, old-time preachers would take this literally, and they would say, now, husbands and wives... Don't let the sun go down. So if you're fighting and arguing while you kiss and make up before you go to bed, if you want to interpret it that way, awesome. That's not necessarily bad advice. But the point I believe Paul is making in this passage is he's saying, hey, deal with it quickly. Deal with it quickly. You don't want it to, you don't want it to get in there and fester and be unresolved and ferment because it becomes a Trojan horse that lets all kind of hell in your life. I don't know if you witness Americans use the expression, like on Friday I was kayaking and I thought to myself, man, this is a little slice of heaven. I've known people that got into a relationship where the person was just absolutely awful to them and they will say to me, you know, Max, I feel like I've been to hell and back, right? They're talking about things. So, I want you to see what, what the Bible's telling us in this passage, what Paul is warning us about is when you allow yourself to be angry for an extended period of time, your 
basically allowing your spiritual enemy to get a place, a room in your life and in your soul that brings in a little dose of hell that then infects your world with hell stuff. That's no fun. That's no fun at all. You want to avoid that. Okay? Augustine, by the way, he felt that most of the anger that we have isn't really righteous anger. It's it's anger because we tend to be self-centered and we get our feelings bent out of shape and we don't get what we want. And so we get mad. Augustine felt that most of us were just big versions of our three-year-old selves. <laughs> but he's that was the third or fourth century. Um, so again, anger, anger is a flag that you're feeling something. Figure it out. Figure it out for your sake and the sake of those around you. This is really, really important. Proverbs has a lot to say. Whoops. All right, let me cover these Proverbs. Uh, Proverbs, if you, if I could, Proverb is basically a true that. <laughs> okay, that's Proverbs. If you're a young person, you should read Proverbs. Like, just keep cycling through it all the time. Okay? A person without self-control is like a city with broken down walls. That's an imagery, all right? It means... When you're anger and you have uncontrolled anger, you're defenseless and other people are going to manipulate you. Uh, a fool, Proverbs 12, 16, is quick-tempered, but a wise person stays calm when insulted. You're better off to let it roll off your back. Uh, better to be patient than powerful. Better to have self-control than conquer a city. It's more important for you to have control of your emotions than it is to be the President of the United States. You're better off if you can control your emotions than to be Caesar. Proverbs 29, an angry person starts fights. Hot-tempered person commits all kinds of sin. Some of you are like, man, that was my roommate in college. Proverbs 14, 29, people with understanding control, your ang control their anger. A hot temper shows great foolishness. Gang, it's really important for us to know why we're angry, who we're angry with, and we've got to figure it out for some of us if we're really angry at all. It may not be that we're angry. It may be that we're just feeling disappointed. We're feeling betrayed. And it's simply flagging itself as anger, right? So some questions for reflection. When you find yourself the little red man at the control panel, and fire is coming out of the top of your head, why am I angry? Why am I angry right now? Why? What do I really want? Again, that's a key question right there. Is it because I'm not getting what I want? How can I get it? Chances are getting angry may not be the best course to get, right? Get what you want. Augustine, again, Augustine was a fourth century bishop in what would now be modern-day Algeria, right, on the northern part of Africa. He believed that we had, um, he called them inordinate affections. And what he was basically saying is, we have this capacity to take something good and totally warp it and to make it something that's actually destructive to us and the people around us. Uh, perfect example, as a parent, right, I, I, I love my kids. I'm supposed to love my kids. But I can take that love for my kids and I can make it into my identity as a parent is totally tied into them and their success. That's not healthy. <laughs> that's taking something good and making it into something, woo, scary, Okay. So why am I angry? Let me, let me suggest three areas where it comes up. I'm hurt. 
I was really proud of the moment that I got in my life where I could hit myself with a hammer and explicatives didn't come out of my mouth. Ironically, ironically, it was on a, it was on a church building, set building thing at Generations. Um, I, bam, and I was like, whoa, wow. And the guy who was there working with me, he was like, man, I have never seen self-control like that in my, you know, <laughs> I was like, wow. You know, so the point is, when you're hurt, you get mad, it's natural. Just hit yourself in the, you know, hit your thumb with a hammer sometime. You know, oh, the hammer, oh, you know, <laughs> okay, it's a natural thing. Am I hurt? Uh, I'm frustrated. Um, you go to the DMV. <laughs> go to the clerk's office for any reason at all at the end of the month and wait in line. And then the five people in front of you, each one doesn't have the right paper or they got the wrong thing and, well, it's their cousin. Couldn't they please? And, you know right? I'm frustrated. Am I being inconvenienced? Is it simply I'm not getting what I want? Or I'm afraid. Uh, if, if you're threatened or attacked, you know, you might, you might bite. It happens, okay? So in light of the fact that anger can give evil and hell itself a foothold in our lives, in light of the fact that we're warned in the Bible to deal with anger quickly, how do you do that? What are some steps? I have some practical, practical stuff, right? One, stop and think. Stop and think. Assess. When you get a text, when you get an email, stop and think. Do not immediately respond, right? So this is sleep on it. Cool down. Think about it. What's the root cause in me that's causing me to be angry at this thing that's just come my way? Number two, the person who just stepped on my toes looked past that person's words and actions to their pain. Did you know hurt people hurt people? Let me say that again. Hurt people hurt people. <laughs> they do. And so it's, it's helpful. Now, when I was in high school, I could no more see their hurt than I could see the nose at the end of my nose. Like, I just couldn't see it. But it seems like today everybody's an armchair psychologist. Well, they're just mad because, you know, they've got dad issues. You know, <laughs> we're always diagnosing everybody so quickly. But it's, it's actually wise to kind of consider the pain or the hurt in the other person because doing so can delete a lot of the anger that you feel because it, it, it brings up compassion. And, and the last thing, seek wise counsel. If you've got ongoing festering anger and forgiveness hasn't unlocked the doors and some other things haven't unlocked the doors, it might be time to sit down with a counselor or a pastor or a good friend and go, what am I missing? What is, you know, I'm just mad, but I can't, you know, I can't seem to lick this. Here's why this is important. I don't know if you know this, but uh, Winston Churchill was prime minister of Great Britain twice. He was, he was prime minister of Great Britain during the war, right? He was the guy that, we shall fight them block by block and let it be said if the British Empire endures in the Commonwealth for a thousand years, right? That this was our finest hour, right? That Churchill, the inspiring guy. In 1945, they kicked his political butt to the curb and voted in another party. 
hey, thanks for saving us. <laughs> well, he had the ultimate revenge in the 1950s. His party came back in power, and he got to serve out a second term as prime minister. Uh, and he was much older. He was in his late 70s. And in 1954, Parliament hired this guy, Graham Sutherland, and they paid him $35,000 to make a portrait of Churchill for his 80th birthday. And he showed up to Chartwell, Churchill's home, and he took pictures. So this is actual pictures from Sutherland's camera. And he began to make sketches. And this was in August in preparation of Churchill's 80th birthday in November. Uh, Ten days before the unveiling of this portrait in Westminster Cathedral, Churchill was given the opportunity to see the portrait. And he was madder than a hornet, and he rejected it. I will not have this painting. He was livid at the artist because he felt that the artist had betrayed him and was a leftist propaganda, you know, horrible... This is a best rendition that we have of the portrait uh, because, uh, and I'll tell you that in a minute. So this portrait of Churchill in many ways is kind of reflective of who he was as an 80-year-old. If you see pictures of him walking, he kind of walked like this with a stick. He was hunched over. He was old and frail. And so there it is. There's the actual portrait in Westminster Cathedral and them, him giving a speech. Well, it went home with him and subsequently disappeared. It's actually considered a lost masterpiece. But in 1978, we found out what happened to it. Sometime before 1955, Lady Churchill had her staff take that portrait out into the countryside and burn it because her husband hated it so much. Netflix has a great little take on it in their series, The Crown, there's this exchange with Churchill and the artist in his home. And Churchill is like, just madder than all get out at uh, the artist. Why would you paint this frail man? You know, I am the prime minister of Great Britain. You know, why would you? This is such an insult. And the artist says, sir, if you see frailty, it's because it's there. I only painted what I saw. You're angry at me. I would suggest to you that you're not angry with me. You're fighting something else. It's not me. It's not the painting. Again, missed, we've lost this masterpiece <laughs> because Churchill felt that it didn't present him in the most positive light. Misdirected anger can get you into all kinds of trouble, right? It's wise, it's wise, it's wise to figure out why you're mad and what's going on under the hood.